0: I'd like to thank KTMS 990 and Montecito Bank & Trust for making Scam Squad possible. I'm Patty Teal, And I'm Deputy District Attorney
1: Vicki Johnson. Scam Squad is up next.
2: Sound off. One, two. Sound off. Three, four. One, two, three, four. Scam
0: Squad! Welcome to Scam Squad. I'm Patty Teal here, as always, with Deputy District Attorney Vicki Johnson. And we're so happy to have a representative from Montecito Bank
1: and Trust with us here today. They're very good partners with us. And Vicki, would you make the introduction? Absolutely. It's my pleasure to welcome back to Scam Squad, Sean Dyer, Senior Fraud Specialist for Montecito Bank and Trust. And we were just chatting, and she really has some important information for us today. So, Sean, what have you got?
2: Well, thanks again for having me back on the show. We've been very busy in our fraud department. I'll talk about the regular old fashioned one first, which is check fraud. It's on an uptick right now. We're currently seeing it affect more of our business clients than our consumer clients, and they're just counterfeit checks. So, Something has happened where the business account information has been compromised somewhere, and that we don't know. And then the fraudsters use that account number, and what I can tell from the volume that I'm seeing. It's a scam where it's either something like an online scam or a Craigslist scam. And these are the account numbers. Checks are being created and mailed to people to negotiate. We've been lucky enough where several non-customers across the country actually receive one of these checks and they are calling the bank to verify if it's a valid check. And that's one of the ways we get alerted because the check hasn't been negotiated yet. So we're getting a heads up because they're saying, I received this check. I thought I was buying something online or I thought I was going to do a work from home thing and I got this check, but it's not from the person or business that I thought I would be receiving it from. So they just call to verify funds and that's when we find out, oh, that's not a valid check. So again, it goes back to monitoring your account every day, checking online and everyone can go online now and review their activity. Not only look at your check number and the dollar amount of those items that have posted, but pull up the image of the check. Is it still payable to the person that you wrote it to? Or you don't even recognize the check at all. It's not in your check series. But it can be. It can be in your check series. They could even gather that. The fraudsters can gather that information. So it just goes back to really being vigilant about monitoring your account activity and not waiting until you get your statement to review because now it could put you out at least 30 days from the time an item is negotiated and any check can be returned within 24 hours after that only certain checks can be returned and it's not a quick and easy process it's a lot of paperwork and a lot of time and a lot of waiting so The quicker you can catch something yourself as the customer, that's better for everyone involved.
1: Well, I have a couple of questions. One is pulling up an image of the check. I'm assuming that if people bank online, which I do not, that you can then pull up an image of your check. That's part of what the banking online experience gives you. Would that be correct?
2: Yes. Yes, it actually says image or view check and you click it and it'll show up the front of the check and the back of the check.
1: Oh, wow. So that's... And you can
2: print it if you want as well.
1: Yeah, that's a very, very valuable thing to be able to do when you've got these counterfeit checks flying about. Secondly, I'm not clear how the scammers get money. I I understand getting someone's check account information, going to their bank, cashing it, But you're saying that they're writing checks to various other entities. What is it that they're doing with those checks?
2: Like if we just knew the Craigslist scam, I go online, I'm selling a couch for $500. Somebody replies on Craigslist says, hey, I want to buy your couch. I'll send you a check. My name is Jane Smith, but I'm going to send you a check. So now here I receive this check Okay. and the check is for $3,500 dollars but I'm only selling my couch for 500. The maker of the check is not Jane Smith, who said that she was the person buying my couch. It's from ABC company in Detroit, Michigan. And it's that account number information that our businesses, like that's the tie-in. So the fraudsters get account information from all over the place, but they use it in different scams. And all they're trying to get is that difference back they want. I see. And no one's ever going to come by the couch, the story, you know, say, Oh, well, we're going to, I want you to take that extra money and pay a moving company that's going to come pick up the couch. And then they get you all tied up in a story and there is no moving company, but okay, now there's no moving company. Can you send me back that extra $3,000? Because now I'll come collect my couch myself. And they've deposited this fraudulent check thinking that somebody is buying their couch and the fraudsters are on them, on them. Has the check cleared? Has the check cleared? And then they either ask for gift cards or Western Union or probably Bitcoin, you know, a number of ways. So it's the fraudsters trying to just get that difference of whatever okay. the scam they're choosing, whether it's selling something on Craigslist, work from home scam, where you have to buy your supplies, but I sent you a check for way too much. Send me the difference. Oh, I see.
1: It's that, the, sent you the sense? difference. I overpaid you. Overpayment scam. The yes. overpayment scam. And okay. Sean,
0: once the check clears, how long does the bank have to then reverse that charge when they find out it's not a legitimate check?
2: When it's a true counterfeit, and that means it is completely fake. The numbers may be in the range of what the customer uses, but they did not write this check. It's not one of their blank checks that was stolen and written. It's completely fake. We only have 24 hours to return it. Wow. After that, There is no other recourse with a counterfeit Mm -hmm. check. You can't send a counterfeit check on collection. Mm -hmm. And these are Mm -hmm. counterfeit checks that we're seeing recently. We have fraud software in place that we detect a lot of it. We rely on our customers as well.
1: Right. So the online
2: banking is
0: really critical for the customer. Otherwise, if it's being mailed, it's going to be way too late. But if they catch it that very day, they can notify the bank right away and stop that.
2: Yes. And the fraudsters know all this, so that's, you know, they're just bombarding (laughs) banks right now, and we're trying to keep up with Um, all of that. So a
1: lot of unhappy (laughs) customers, I would imagine, too, when they find Uh, out, yeah.
2: Yeah, makes for a long process. So, if we can catch them in that 24 hours, send them back, and no harm, no foul, customer has their money. We don't have to do a lot of extra steps. Yeah, it's the best scenario that we could have.
1: So, once again, we so- have to be very careful dealing with Craigslist, maybe meet in person and exchange the item and the cash rather than trying to do this at a distance transaction. That seems to be where people mm-hmm. really get in trouble.
0: Have yeah. online deposits where you take a picture of your check? Has that made it easier for scammers to submit phone checks?
2: Absolutely. Thanks for bringing that up, Patty. because in these cases where these people have fallen victim to a scam and they're probably emailing them the image because the majority of these checks, certainly what we're seeing recently from our business clients that have had their account compromised, these checks have been deposited via mobile deposit Mm -hmm. and it's so much easier for fraudsters, because no one is seeing a physical check in their hands. Mm -hmm. No one is walking into a bank with this terrible copy of a check, which would alert and there would be red flags by a teller to say this doesn't look right, feel right. right, something's just off. So you can literally take a picture of a check that is emailed to you and do a mobile deposit. And yes, the fraudsters are using that to their advantage. To their
1: advantage. <laughs> yes, sounds like it. Oh, oh gosh.
2: That's a very sobering story, Sean. What else? What else <laughs> you got for us? The other fun item that's going on right now has to do with Bitcoin. And it's not where our customer is purchasing Bitcoin, it's where they are falling victim to a scam. And in this case, it's a tech support scam. And one of the common storylines in that is you click on a link or you answer a call. They say they're Apple or Microsoft or Norton Virus, whatever, something to do with tech world. Somehow they owe you a refund. That refund should usually be somewhere between $100 and $500. And now they want to assist you logging into your online banking so they can credit you back that one to $500 amount directly into your account. And, oh, somehow they make a mistake and it looks like they've deposited into your account, let's say, $15,000 instead of $150. We'll use that as the example. And the way that they trick you with this is because you've given up your online banking credentials to allow them into your online banking or you have allowed them to remote into your computer Mm -hmm. While you have logged into your online banking, regardless, the fraudster is watching your computer screen with you, and they can see your online banking. And most people wherever they have their checking account, they also have a savings account and the fraudsters are usually in the background so the customer doesn't see they're transferring money from your savings to your checking so that you only see the checking account and that oh yeah I see that $15,000 that you just deposited into me oh I get yeah okay I I believe you you credited me for 15,000 instead of 150 and then the fraudster does the sob story oh I'm going to lose my job I just screwed up I have family to support please 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 help me don't tell my supervisor please send me back the difference or i'll be fired and you know the whole story. And it used to be that extra go send it via western union or gift cards. The new thing is go make a cash withdrawal at the bank and go to a bitcoin machine and i the fraudster will provide you with the account number you need to deposit that bitcoin account number i want you to put that money to. That'll take care of everything. So Customer goes to the bank, they withdraw the cash and the story that they are told by the fraudster to tell the bank is that they're purchasing a car for their granddaughter, their niece or nephew, but they're getting cash because they'll get this really good deal on a car. So there aren't as many red flags when the customer is in the bank actually making the withdrawal. They ask questions, but the customer's been fed this storyline by the fraudster of how they're supposed to respond when the banker asks questions. Now they're instructed to call back the fraudster when they get in their car with the cash, call the fraudster back. And the fraudster's giving them directions, literally directions on where the Bitcoin machine is located in the city. And they drive to that location and they are instructed to go to the machine and deposit whatever the difference, 14900 and whatever, to this Bitcoin machine. And the minute that money is in that Bitcoin machine, that's it. We're out of the game. There's no getting it back. We certainly encourage the customer to file a report with law enforcement. But as far as the bank goes, we cannot retrieve any of that. Yeah. And one more storyline in this is, Although the customer doesn't think they provided the fraudster with their social security number driver's license or whatever other personal identifiable information, the fraudster is telling her that they need that to enter the money into the Bitcoin machine. So we have to assume that they did provide it unknowingly to the fraudster. So now the customer is not only out $15,000 They are also a victim of identity theft. And we all know all the paperwork and process the customer has to do to go through that.
1: So the froster says, I need your social security number. And what was the other thing that they said they needed? For
2: this one, it was driver's license. Driver's license. I haven't myself seen a Bitcoin machine. I don't really know what information is required when you try to deposit at one. But it sounds like that's what was required, or at least that's what this customer told us.
0: But if they yeah. haven't given the online access of the login information, then they've asked for remote access. Someone can't get remote access without your permission, can
2: they? I believe you have to click on the accept, like we all see, like right. when you're sharing a screen in Zoom or whatever. But again, you think you're talking to sure. a repair tech person. support, mm-hmm. and of course yeah. they want access to your computer. Right. And you've initiated the call or the clicked on the link. So
0: mm-hmm. very sad, very sad. <laughs> A lot of money being lost from good people to scammers.
2: Yes. Sense of urgency. We have to hurry up and do all this. So you just kind of lose track. And did the customer even know what Bitcoin was? Like you just get so caught up in the story. And it's
1: interesting that the fraudsters know how to direct you to the Bitcoin in your neighborhood. Uh, That is just really scary. They've done their homework. They know the area where they're trying to run this scam and they know where the Bitcoin machines are. I mean, that's a very specific kind of knowledge to
2: have. Yeah, the fraudster, I'm sure, is not even in this country. They don't have to be. Google nearest Bitcoin machine near Santa Barbara, wherever, you know, they're targeting at that time. Yeah, easy enough to do.
1: Yeah. So once they've got the person hooked, then they can do the other piece of information gathering that they have to do in order to complete the deal, complete the transaction. Mm -hmm. So we constantly have to be on high alert. I actually hate that, but it is just the way it is these days. It is. it's, it's It's really true. It's a sad state of affairs. Yeah, and I don't mm-hmm. bank online, so
0: there's, we're going to get you banking online. <laughs> if you eat. hack into my account, there's, there's no account, there's nothing to see. Would you give me remote access, <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> Remote access to nothing. <laughs> I'll tell you what's in there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh,
0: I'm Lord. not a scammer. But you know, you just have to be so careful. But it it could save you because you know immediately what's going on. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much, Sean, for these updates. It's really important for us to know what's happening. And as it turns out, I'm doing a presentation this afternoon and also tomorrow to two different senior groups, and I'm going to tell exactly this story hmm. Because I think once people hear the detail and how the scam actually unfolds and how it works and the different instructions that they give you and what they want you to do, then it will stick in their minds. And when they hear somebody giving them those instructions, they'll know, oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Right. I, I just mm-hmm. heard about this. This is a scam. Right. So we do what we can to get the word out, don't we, Patty? Yes. And you do
0: a good job with those presentations as well. And I know you allow people to call you and ask for presentations. So just on the fraud hotline. So I'd ask you to give that fraud hotline number
1: if you could. Area code 805-568-2442. And I'll say it again, 805-568-2442. I want to thank Sean once again for giving us the information so that we can get it out there. We can distribute it. Thank you. Absolutely. so much. Absolutely. Thank you, Sean. And Vicky, I didn't mean to rush you okay. if you have any good news to share. Well, you know, I actually do. And here's okay. the thing that caught my eye. Russian <laughs> malware developer arrested and extradited to the United States. He's Russian and he got extradited. Now it turns out he was in Georgia, Republic of Georgia, not our Georgia, Republic of Georgia when he was taken into custody. And apparently here's what he did. This fellow developed a malicious software program named, I love this, NL Brute, B-R-U-T-E. And this was a powerful Mm. malware program that was capable of decrypting login credentials such as passwords. So long story short, this was a login program that was able to get into your computer and get your password. And apparently, he used this program on tens of thousands of computers located all over the world. And he marketed and sold this program to other crypto criminals for a fee. And then he also sold the login credentials that he was able to obtain on the dark web. So... Once, of course, people had these login credentials that led to a huge range of illicit activity, ransomware attacks, tax fraud, and so forth and so on. There were more than 35,000 compromised computers for sale on the web, about 350,000 in illicit proceeds that he himself was able to get. So he is looking for a maximum penalty of 47 years in federal prison for his efforts should he get convicted on all of the counts that he faces. So he created a lot of havoc in the world, but he is going to be facing a very long sentence if he's convicted. I thought that was some good news. It is Vicky. It that gives is us all news. hope. <laughs> yes, yeah. Some of the bad guys sometimes, get caught. Sometimes they do get caught <laughs> <Yes>. and punished. <laughs> yes,
0: yes. Well, thank you so much, and and thank you, Sean. Thanks to everybody at Montecito Bank and
1: Trust, and we'll talk again soon. All bye. right. Thank, thank you, ladies. Bye. bye. bye.